So, oh, hello, what friends. People talking in the hallway, getting out of the elevator. It sounded like dinosaurs on my end, and I am not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like something was, like, roaring high-pitched. <laughs> They're just laughing, Danielle. That did not sound like that. and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Danielle. I'm Sam. And this is the podcast where one of us explains a weird piece of media to the other who has no experience with it, but that's a lie. Danielle, <laughs> I would say it's not a lie. Based on what I experienced last week when you told me about this Hardy Boys novel, the uh-huh. first half of it, I am still completely in the dark about the Hardy Boys, which one is which, and frankly, what they do or, or what their qualifications are. So I think I'm, you still I, don't. Yeah, you don't know which one's Joe and which one's Frank. <laughs> I know that. I mean, there's a Joe and a Frank, which I just learned now. So, <laughs> oh gosh, you knew that <laughs> potentially. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we are continuing. This is part two of the Hardy Boys Case Files book number one, Dead on Target by Franklin <laughs> W. Dixon. <laughs> Dead on Target, which I gotta say, thus far, I don't know how that title plays into this particular piece of work. I can't help you. I don't know. Like, there's not a lot of target shooting or anything like target related. It's just a terrorism plot, which I should probably get into, shouldn't I? I mean, I. Maybe because the bad guy's named the bullet. <laughs> I forgot about that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Can right. you, Sam? This no, is your job. Not going to do Your job. It. Yeah, well, I always have to do it. You now have to do it. That's not fair. No, I'm going to do it. I'm just not going to do it well. <laughs> we got to summarize the first part. You always say that and you're always particularly no, going to I'm going to do amazing like the first half. And by the end of that first part, I was so like overwhelmed. I don't know what happened. Okay, well, let us know what happens with Frank and Joe Hardy. They're brothers, Sam. I'll give you a clue. Right. They're brothers. I got that. The Hardy brothers, their new moniker. Uh-huh. The Hardy men. I remember that. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. That was half the plot right there. Um. Okay. So the book opens with an explosion where the girlfriend of one of the boys is explodified. Yes, in a Iola. car bomb. Iola. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. She belongs to one of them. Well, not belongs. That's the wrong word, but she was. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's particularly bad for you, Sam. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad, uh, bad thing to say. But <laughs> she was the girlfriend of one of them who didn't treat her very well. So really, she belongs to herself. <laughs> yeah, that's for Joe. <laughs> Joe, okay. Yeah, it was Joe's girlfriend. Got it. It was. It was. So we opened the book with the explodification of a girlfriend. Uh, and I only say that because she's has virtually no character in this book, so I, I don't feel bad that she's been reduced to a caricature because that's what the book does to her. Oh, yeah. You don't find out anything about it, really. Exactly. So, you know, sorry. That's just how she's presented. We flash back a whole hour. They're at a political rally. Uh, Joe is macking on some other girl. Iola gets upset about this, goes to the car, and then explodes. So I'm really glad we had the opening and then the flashback and then the explosion <laughs> Do you remember again. where the political rally is? Bayport? Yes, but where in Bayport? A mall? Ding, ding, ding. Okay. I mean, that's the it's only important. location it's in the important. book. Okay. <laughs> Good. I'm just saying, that's the only location you mentioned in the entire book was a mall and the Hardy house. Uh, yeah. Give so, I took a guess. <laughs> <laughs> they make it to Britain. They made it to Britain in the first half, right? That's right. London. 
I'm just saying, like, I, I, I'm still upset that we had a whole opening and then two whole pages of nothing happening, then the explosion that makes it back to the opening, like, unnecessary. Do you remember... Give me a chance. <laughs> the, the political rally. Do you remember the political rally who the political rally is for? I mean, there was a guy who's running for president and he's anti-terrorist. That's all I got. Yeah, but... That works. His name's last name's Walker. Okay, Walker. Walker, for Prez. Walker. Okay, I don't care what his name is. He's just some generic anti-terrorist presidential candidate. Absolutely. All right, but this rally they're at is not a rally for Walker. It is a pre-rally, a dress rehearsal rally where he is not there. <laughs> Why? That's Again, I remember that. Why is this rally being held for a person who is not there and is not campaigning there and is just wasting money holding a rally twice, one of which he will be at? <laughs> Crazy. Anyway, so she gets all explodified. Joe gets all depressy. They go to her funeral. Their dad, whose name... Oh, I had I remembered it for a second there. I remember because it was funny. It reminded me of someone else's name. <laughs> <laughs> Give up? Yeah, absolutely. Fenton. Fenton, right. Okay. Fenton Hardy, which is... It's a choice. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this was really long time 1920s. ago. 1920s. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he abandons his grieving sons to go do Absolutely. something mysterious. Uh, and the mom is just not even mentioned in the book barely. So again, all the women get really short shrift in this book. Yeah, they do. They have better parts in other books, but definitely not the first one. So Joe's all depressed. Frank's talking to his girlfriend, name I don't know because she's barely mentioned. Callie. Callie, sure. That he doesn't know what to do about Frank. And then Frank's all like, I'm going to take revenge by tracking these people down and doing all detective stuff. And, and no, find Joe them. is. Joe says that. Whatever. Whoever they are, they're basically the same person in my head, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> totally different people, but okay. Yeah, whatever. So they go to the police to try to get some leads because... No, no. Well, well, no first, no. they have to meet Mr. Gray, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they could have met Mr. Gray any before or after the police. It didn't matter. They didn't meet him at some point and he gives oh, them let's a... making sure you didn't forget about him. All right. They give him a business... He gives him a business card to them in front of your father, a fact that they do not verify. Do you remember what the business was? Imports and exports. The most generic yeah. sounding thing ever. <laughs> world Import Export Company. So, <laughs> like, that's the name of the company. Does it import, export world? Do you like, I will sell you Mars. <laughs> Maybe. That'd be cool. <laughs> I would love that. I'd I'd totally read Hardy's in Space. <laughs> Hardy's in Space. That sounds like a campaign for the restaurant. <laughs> okay. So they go to the cops. They go to the cops. The the new New York transfer cop is all like, I think you did it. You were playing around with bombs and you booped your girlfriend by accident and you better confess right now and I have no evidence. So bye. And they leave without really doing anything there. It was completely pointless how they went. That's not, it wasn't pointless. It was to introduce the, you know, annoying New York cop who thinks that they're responsible for Iola's murder. And this is going to be relevant when they're in London, how? Um, I will get to what's going on. Do you remember the, the bad cop's name? Church the B? It is Samuel Butler. Butler. How did I forget Butler? That's on me. Yeah. I will Samuel even. Not, I may not have said that last time. I don't I'm think not you sure did. I knew his name was Samuel. Maybe. I don't think you did, but I, I'm sad to be associated with him by name. <laughs> I think you once said that all the Sams would be you from then. Well, that was a mistake. <laughs> I regret <laughs> saying that. <laughs> all right, it's me. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's on me. Uh, so they go to the mall looking for clues. They talk to a bunch of people and they're like, oh, they stole a bunch of cables and stuff that have gone missing, which are clearly bomb making materials. But also mm -hmm. like they weren't because they were using plastic explosives, which are not things you can steal from a mall. So well, you're going to love the second half of this book then. Uh-oh. <laughs> 
Anyway, so there's a brief chase through the mall as they're being shot at by assassins with dark guns because I have no answer to that. I don't know. Again, I don't know why dark guns were used in the beginning. If they're just trying to kill them, they're not trying to tranquilize them. They're trying to murderify them. So the dark gun scene completely unnecessary and overcomplicated. Does that happen in the mall? Yes. I can't remember. How do you not remember that? I remember being very <laughs> upset about that. Because I've read an entire that. second half of a book since then, Sam. <laughs> I remember being very upset that they were running through a mall dark guns and like no one seemed to care. And they, they, Oh, that's right, because they're running through the crowds and I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to hit the other people, but they never do. They go into the movie theater. Yeah, and they, and they ambush yeah. them in the movie theater and they get out and they, they, they manage to like knock one out and they, there's another one. They didn't expect two of them. And then they get into the car with Mr. Gray and there's a car chase. Is it Joe who goes all like, I want to murder people and start shooting at them at the head but they misses because yes. yeah, so Joe goes all murder has the murder uh, lust and he does not fulfill it they eventually get away and do, you know what, do you remember what Mr. Gray says about the the people who are shooting them that they're part of a terrorist organization called the assassins yes do you remember where they originated from oh uh, the crusades hey, the crusades <laughs> that's not important at all I just felt like it needed to be restated you know how dumb that is yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> doesn't come up once. <laughs> and the network is the – I remember I was mad about the names because the network is the name of the <laughs> government organization trying to stop them, which is – Absolutely. Almost as bad as the librarians, honestly, uh, in terms of names for <laughs> secret organizations that are not doing what they're described as doing. It is. Anyway, so car chase doesn't matter. Mr. Gray takes them back to the Hardy house <laughs> to says, stay here, boys. I got to go. And the Hardys do not stay there. But what? Why Why did he take them back to the house? So he could, to, to briefly let them be passed over to someone else who can take them to South Carolina? Nice. Good memory recall. I was either South or North Carolina. I got I got 50-50 <laughs> chance. Do you remember the code phrase to prove that it was somebody? Mr. Gray was here. No. No. Mr. Gray, Gray sent, me. sent me. Oh, Gray sent me. It's terrible. <laughs> terrible name. Uh, terrible code phrase. And like, wanted to just take him to the airport right then to go to South Carolina. Why? I cannot tell you. Oh, because he's off to London. He's like, gotta go. Gotta play. Yeah, Bye. but he's going to the airport anyway. Take the Hardy Boys there and put them on the plane to South Carolina and then take your plane to London. Like, this is dumb. Actually, the, the crazy part is he says they'll be here in a few minutes and then he leaves instead of just waiting five minutes for the rest of his crew to show up, which would have solved this whole problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Mr. Gray is a terrible spy. And the fact they go back to their house anyway when he knows they're being targeted because the assassins are targeting their father because their father is doing security for walker and apparently through his security efforts even though he's a detective he found out about a bunch of plans the assassins have to do terrorist stuff around the united states and this makes him a target so they targeted his children instead of him yeah in retribution i guess in retribution for something he had not done yet to try to make him be silent when they could have just killed him and solve their problems absolutely but you know it's more fun who who cares if the dad gets attacked it matters if the hardy boys get attacked you're you're reading about them not fenton so the hardy boys use their elite hacker skills from 1987 to hack into the airport <laughs> reservation kiosk computers whatever and find that Mr. Gray <laughs> has used his real Mr. Gray name because apparently when you have a code name, you use it everywhere instead of like <laughs> having compartmentalized code names so you can stay anonymous. He used his Mr. Gray code name to be on a plane and they book themselves tickets on that plane and fall him to the airport and stay onto the plane and then take a seat right next to him because they, they're cheeky, I guess. <laughs> they totally cheeky. <laughs> And then there's a terrorist on the plane, Danielle. Oh, no. A terrorist, oh, no. A terrorist who's like pretending to be a caretaker for a person in a wheelchair goes into the Both bathroom. Both terrorists. Yeah. Goes into a bathroom, comes out with a hand grenade and some mace, <laughs> which is the most mismatched uh, pair of weapons I've ever heard of in my life. 
I love Hardy Boys, man. Oh, I can tell why you love it. I am infuriated. <laughs> Every time I read them, though, I'm like, this is bananas. <laughs> so fun. So the Hardys foil the terrorists' plot of hijacking the plane and or blowing up. We learn later that their actual plan was to kill Mr. Gray. So I don't know I why <laughs> why they didn't just do that first. Or something. Anyway, they land in London after saving the day, and there's not, they're not detained by anybody. I mean, they are detained, but Mr. Gray's like, hey, we gotta go. And then he leaves to go uh, do a raid on the terrorist hideout in London they found. And the mm-hmm. Hardy Boys sneak out and hop on the back of the truck that is going there. Uh, yeah, they do. And they just sort of like let them come at that point. Like, all right, you, you, you made an effort. I guess <laughs> you could come along. <laughs> yeah, basically. Since you're here, let's all go into the terrorist hideout together. So they clear the place out. It's empty. And Mr. Gray like lifts up a secret hatch to some underground tunnels. But as he does so, Joe, is it Joe again? Who's like, no, it's Booby Tree. I tries to like save it's Frank. him. Yeah, uh, Frank, whatever. Again, they're the same person in my head. <laughs> Very different, again. <laughs> I mean, I've yet to, to see any evidence besides that one is supposedly hot-headed, but they both seem like impulsive idiots to me, so. Well, maybe you should read more Hardy Boys. Danielle, I why would I read won't. more Hardy Boys if I can have you tell me all about them? I don't know, because I'll probably do more, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, if I read Hardy Boys, then you would have nothing to do for this podcast. <laughs> So the the house explodes. The Hardys come off relatively unscathed. Mr. Gray is injured. They take him away. And then, like, this is where it gets real fuzzy for me, Daniel. I don't remember what happened. Like, they somehow... Oh, you don't en- remember the whole last, like, ten pages of the summary? <laughs> ten pages of the book or ten pages of your notes? Ten pages of the book. <laughs> no, of course not. Which is, like, something about they end up being interrogated, but their father makes a call and like, gets them out of it? No. No. No? No. Well, I was really wrong. Good job. Yeah, I got nothing. It's You're just, doing so well up until then. I, I, got every, I got every detail up until that last 10 pages where I was like, I don't know what's happening. This is ending. <laughs> so they end up back at the British Intelligence uh, where they meet the head of the British Intelligence, Nigel Foley, Foliot. Oh, I remember the most Folio. British name ever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. the, the book is amazingly stereotypical. It is. And Sir Nigel's like, hey, you're here. What are we going to do with you? And they just really wanted to go back to Bayport. And he's like, that's cool. Let's do that. And they send them back. But before they can do that, before they can leave the intelligence agency, they hear their dad in the hallway. And they're not supposed to be there. They're supposed to be in I knew his the dad played into it somehow. He was there in some capacity. Yeah. And so they end up getting snuck out the back. Which, and- again, it's crazy. <laughs> Why? I mean, I guess British intelligence would be very embarrassed that they let two, I'm going to say, mediocre young adults out with them at every turn. Oh, sure. I think that's the reason. But then also, oh, they also make the Hardys pro- uh, promise not to tell anybody anything. Secret swear. Oh, pinky swear. Pinky swear. That's, <laughs> that's how intelligence <laughs> services work. Ugh. And they get so they get sent back to Bayport because the concept is well there can't possibly be any assassins there because they were all back in London, which, which again is the dumbest thing because there was already a car bomb there like weeks Two ago, seconds ago, yeah, a couple of days I think. I don't know what the timeline of this book is. It's it jumps around so quickly. It does. It's a very fast moving book. So they're supposed to go back, and then uh, hopefully their dad won't notice, even though he's going to be back in a week, and totally will notice that they're not there. Yeah, it's very stupid. And then what do they? Do you remember what they realized right at the very end of the chapter before we stopped? The bullet is in London. No. Okay, I I remember. I get nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Frank decides that the reason the car was blown up was because it was a. Yellow sedan. No, it was a dress rehearsal. (laughs) They wanted to like. What? See how it was gonna oh, work. I you don't remember it, that? No, I was. You were so mad. I was. I'm. I'm. I think I was so mad. I blocked it out because I am livid. <laughs> 
they decided that it was probably just a dress rehearsal that that was the way they're going to kill Philip Walker. But why um, do a dress Saturday rehearsal? Appearance. I don't know, Sam. That's what you were mad about. <laughs> and now they're going to go back to protect Walker. Do they tell the intelligence agency that there's a dress rehearsal because they're there? Do they what? Do like the Hardy say, hey, we figured out it's a dress rehearsal. The terrorists are in No, Bayport. there are... They're, like, on the plane back, I think, oh, when they, they have this it. realization. Oh, mm-hmm. Well, I guess phones didn't exist in 1987, so, oh, well. It won't get there, because I have a comment on it. All right, Danielle. <laughs> I am I am itching with anticipation for how this cliffhanger of a book is going to wrap up with the Hardy Boys foiling the most incompetent terrorists from the Middle Ages in the world. They are very incompetent, as you'll soon see on <laughs> Book Retorts. <laughs> on Book Retorts, where we have incompetence <laughs> of all kinds, from the hosts and from the media. <laughs> All right, currently on the Hardy Boys, they arrive home <laughs> back in Bayport, and Callie picks them up from the airport. Callie, oh, she exists, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I <laughs> Driving them straight to the police station because they're, you know, going to talk to the police. Am about I there? Their, Am I there to interrogate them? Yeah. Maybe. So they ask to see the man in charge of the security for Saturday's rally at the mall. Their father. It tra- it's their father. I know, I know. I guess they're working with the local police. Like he's maybe, I assume maybe private details. Very confusing when I was reading this book. So it turns out it's Samuel Butler. Hey, I got your back. Walker's going to be dead in a week. No problem. <laughs> Apparently it's his specialty. He ran the detail that guarded the UN in New York. Uh, Cool. I'm just saying, you know, little factoid there about Samuel Butler. <laughs> oh, Mr. Butler, you're so dreamy. <laughs> so Joe, Joe groans and is like, does anybody even like this guy? To the cop that's like telling them that okay, this man's in charge. Okay, that's just being mean. Like, he may not, <laughs> he may suspect you, but doesn't he have to like rag on his character as like a human being? Well, he wasn't very nice to them either. Like, it wasn't like he said it nicely. <laughs> sure. But like, you know, be the bigger man there, Joe. You said Joe, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, it is Joe. <laughs> Every but time you best- say one of their names, Danielle, I immediately forget which one you mentioned. I do not know what it is in my brain. Think I should, harder. I cannot, I can never comprehend the nanosecond after you finish telling me their name, it's gone. You did pretty well in the summary. Well, I remember that there's a Frank and a Joe. I don't remember which one's which, though. I know, but you got it mostly right. I just guess Joe every time. <laughs> That was a trick. Joe is very heavy in this book. His yeah. girlfriend did die. That's my, that's my strategy. I'm assuming it's always Joe. All right. Well, Joe t- says to this other cop, does anybody even like this guy? And the cop, for absolutely no reason that you should ever talk to a young kid about this, admits that everybody actually hates him. He's not the best guy. What? <laughs> like, just crazy. Someone's like, hey, are you a jerk? He's like, yeah, I'm a jerk. Everyone hates me. Like, oof. That's not, he didn't say that. The cop said it. The I other know. cop that I, they were with. Oh, Oh, that's worse. Uh, that's much worse. worse. Yeah, one of his coworkers is like, "Yeah, he's a jerk." <laughs> oh, that's a that's an HR complaint. <laughs> it actually gets cut off where they use a swear word, which is funny. Anyway, and I assume the reason that the staff there don't like him is because as soon as he sees the Hardy, he's like, "I told you not to leave town," and you immediately did. And which he's is like, valid. Maybe some- Yes, it is. But then he says, maybe some of the dumb hicks around here will take that, but not a real cop. So I assume that's why his coworkers don't like him. I mean, that's less valid. (laughs) Telling the suspect not to leave town, totally valid. Calling all your coworkers dumb hicks, not okay. (laughs) Not okay. So they go over the information they found with him anyway, and how they think Al Rusasa, as you might remember, that's the supposed um, terrorist the bullet. name. I, the bullet. He's the, the bullet. bullet. Yeah, he's the bullet. <laughs> and we'll hit this event, and they suggest that he searches the mall, because they think that he's, like, storing stuff there, hiding oh, there. No. I don't know. The mall well, is the mall. Involved. That's where you're going <laughs> to blow up. If you're going to blow up the mall, don't make your base the mall. 
<laughs> so Butler is like, let me get this straight. You think this guy blew up your girlfriend just to get in some practice before killing Philip Walker, and I should get every cop in town to search the mall before this big rally. To be fair, that valid. is the right. That's the right. <laughs> yes, yeah, that is the right question. Like, what moron does a rehearsal bombing of some <laughs> random girlfriend of some children of the security detail of the guy he wants to kill? Absolutely. I am 100% on his side, for Butler's side for this, even though I don't like Butler. No, I mean, so- <laughs> if Butler wasn't painted as just an absolute tool, he would be the person, like, that's why they had to paint him as a tool, because he's the one be like, yeah, he's the most reasonable person here, everyone should be listening to him, <laughs> but no, you have to do a character assassination on him so that he isn't likable, so you don't realize that you don't want to make sense in this book. That's quite possible. So he asks if they have any proof, and they don't, because they just promise not to tell them anything that they learned from British intelligence. So Yeah, or call them, you know, <laughs> BS. That's what I'm called, British Intelligence Services. <laughs> BIS. BIS. Yeah, I'm calling it BS for short. <laughs> call them up and tell them to do something about it. I don't know. Yeah, you think they'd be able to, like, tip them off or something. So they leave the office and decide to go search out for the chief of police who they're, you know, well acquainted with. And he's left for the day. Bummer. So I guess he doesn't have a phone either. I, I get I get this was 1987, a cell phone's weren't a thing, but telephones still existed or like oh. knocking on their home addresses. Absolutely. So what they end up doing is they're talking to Callie, who's waiting out in the lobby, and they're like, hey, did you just see the chief leave? And she's like, yeah, he just left a few minutes ago. And they're like, great, let's go after him. And so they race. They like speed. They speed up to him and <sighs> flash their lights so that he'll like pull, pull over. over. <laughs> like, there's a serial killer right back in your car type thing. <laughs> and they're speeding, so they should really get a ticket. <laughs> That'd be the funniest thing ever. Like, you know, thank you for telling me about the terrorist plot. Here's a ticket for speeding. <laughs> so the chief gets out of the car. He's like, what are you two doing here? And he ends up agreeing with Butler, just more nicely. <laughs> Which, <laughs> like, again... Well, you don't need proof, and... <laughs> is the correct response of, like, practice bombings? <laughs> That's what they're doing, Sam. Uh, I mean, I know they're doing it. My point is they shouldn't be doing it. And no one in their right mind would believe that terrorists were doing practice bombings of... <laughs> That's why again, it's such a smart the thing children to do. Of the children of the girlfriend of the children of the security detail of the guy they want to kill. Absolutely. In fact, I'm in that scene in Spaceballs about like <laughs> brother's cousin's former roommate thing. Okay. Not that complicated. It so is. As the police chief's car disappears ahead of them, and they're kind of problem solving on the side of the road, they're like, well, the chief won't believe us, so what else can we do? Suddenly, a sedan with no lights. Don't you on have appears. Mr. Gray's, like, card, business card? I'm just sorry. I know. Did you think you'd just call? <laughs> right. You have his business. He gave you a card to contact him. I. I mean, he's in the hospital, but they could still, I'm sure, get in contact with somebody. I'm sure if you call the, the number, like, it's a security agency. Someone's going to pick up, like, oh, well, that guy's super high tech, you know, secure number got dialed. What is one? Well, I'll go to voicemail. It's probably not important. Like, no, there's always somebody monitoring those lines. Yeah. Nope. They don't do that. At least not yet. Of course. And a sedan with no lights appears heading towards them on this slightly abandoned road. It's either the terrorists they, or the network. It is. And so they split up on the road. They like jump away from their car, but the car swerves towards Frank and then Joe runs at him doing a flying tackle and pushing him out of the way just in time. And apparently Frank was incapable of moving his own legs. He was where he was, where he ran. He wasn't able to move any other direction. The car was just going to hit him or not. But so then how did Joe knock him out, out of the way. way if he was trapped? I don't know, Sam. You got to read the book. It does not make sense to me either. <laughs> <laughs> so the point is he couldn't jump far enough away and Joe was managed to get there and like tackle him just far enough away that the car didn't So he didn't, didn't have time him. to move himself out of the way, but there was enough time for Joe to get there and move him Absolutely. out of the way. Absolutely. <laughs> well, All right. Hey, that's the least stupid <laughs> thing I've heard so far in this book. So let's move on. 
So they pile into the car, the car, the other car is like racing off. They pile into their own car and they speed off after the one that tried to hit them. So, and oh, I'm sorry, I gotta, I gotta pause here for a second. <laughs> These terrorists are idiots. If you're planning something bigger, the bombing of Walker, for instance, the assassination of Walker. Why waste your time and reveal your hand and take risks by trying to kill these two pipsqueaks? No idea. <laughs> like, you've already done your practice bombing. Sure. Fine. You did the rehearsal. Why then are you, like, you're, you're risking your your big plan to deal with these two people nobody's believing and cannot hurt you? Maybe because they're afraid. They're Maybe they don't know all of that yet. Maybe they just know that they seem to be on to them and they need to get rid of them. Sure. I mean, no, but go for it. <laughs> So up ahead in the dark, they know that this stretch of road only has one turnoff and it's kind of like a, it's just, it's hard to find. It's something that only locals can find. It's used for lover's lane a lot. Ooh. I know. So they're like, okay, well, this is good. We've got him cornered. Essentially, like this guy up ahead of us is the chief of police is ahead of them and we're behind him. So like, where is he going to go? And as they manage to, and he doesn't have his lights on again. So as they manage to pull up to where he probably should be, he's not there. Dun, dun, dun. Oh no, they did a Scooby-Doo. And drove into uh, 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 the side of a cliff, which is actually just like a mechanical door that somehow old man McGee wired up in his spare time. Absolutely. How did you know? I've seen cartoons, Danielle. <laughs> okay. Well, to the surprise, the car had disappeared down the lover's lane turnout, which they were not expecting. And they U-turned wildly back to find him, but the car has vanished. So it is... This an inside job? Is it Callie? Is Callie the terrorist? Mm, Callie's in the car with them, so oh. that seems unlikely. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> Maybe it's Iola. <laughs> Ooh, she's not actually dead. She faked her death and is actually the terrorist trying to kill Walker. Perfect. Could be. You don't know. Danielle, at this point, I would not be surprised by literally anything. <laughs> So they rehashed the events, thinking that obviously the person in the car, as you said, must be an inside job. They must have followed them not only to the police station. Maybe they like the place or whatever. <laughs> well, they seemed and they seemed to know a local. Sam, it's never. It's just. It's always. It's always horses, not zebras. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's always zebras, not horses, Danielle. Because okay, it's always maybe. the more like it's always the one that's like it has to be a local when it, like maps exist and someone could just also have seen that already or something. I don't know. Yes, but it's always a local. That's just how it works. Okay. <laughs> And so, right? No, actual zebra (laughs) driving around as a horse, a little zebra in a car, trying to run them over. The baseball cap on, so nobody can tell the zebra. (laughs) The baseball cap—that's going to cover it up. (laughs) What's all your stripes? Oh, it's a skin condition. Don't worry about it. Okay, but yeah, imagine if you were driving past something, you saw a zebra with a baseball cap on in a car. First off, nobody would believe you. So that's a great. Great idea. I don't think the part of that story they wouldn't believe is the baseball cap. They'd be like, the zebra driving the car is enough. But no, okay. I know. With the baseball cap, now that's unbelievable. But it's like an extra piece of whimsy that doesn't need to exist. So it's so fun. It's like not just like I saw a zebra driving a car. It's like a zebra and a baseball cap driving a car. And you're like, that's weird. <laughs> okay. Well, if I extra ever need to like, create an extra bit of whimsy in my life, Danielle, I'll come to you for the zebra baseball cap scenario. I mean, that's not a bad idea. It's not. <laughs> So, obviously, they think, think it might be somebody local, or at least seems to know the local turnoffs, and they make and it makes them wonder if Al Rosasa has a local accomplice. They suggest warning Walker, but imagine that he won't back down since his entire campaign rests on anti-terrorism. Yeah, but which, also, yeah. like, 
maybe skip Bayport, which is an insignificant little town, apparently. Yeah, I don't even know why he's going to Bayport. Yeah, exactly. They make it like, sound like it's really important. <laughs> all you have to do is like, we'll hit Bayport later. So there's a scheduling conflict. We'll come back to Bayport on our way. And like the 10 people in this town who would actually go to the rally can just be like, all right, whatever. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a mid-sized town. And that's like, I don't, I don't, Again, I don't know how the state's set up or where exactly they are. It's not important is the point. It's not. And they don't think that calling Britain would help anything. Why? I don't know. You <laughs> were so sad when you said that. Like, I don't know. I was looking through my notes to see if I had something that made sense. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if it made sense in the book. And I just didn't write it down. <laughs> we can't call the agency that's actually tracking these people and we want information on them because <laughs> daddy would get mad. I don't know. So Frank suggests just bypassing all of the adults entirely and searching them all themselves. They do not call them the adults. I did. Well, obviously that's their solution because their solution is, hey, we can handle terrorists on our own. We're two incompetent children. So in the car, after some unnecessary sexist remarks about girls being helpless that Callie does not put up with. Good. I'm (laughs) glad. From Joe. From Joe. The one time (laughs) sexism is not put up with in this book. Well, other times it's fine, but. Callie's pretty kick butt. They decide that it's time to get the old gang together. This gang involves Chet and Tony. Tony, you might remember, is uh, no. the Mr. P- Mr. Pizza manager. Wait, the so their old gang is... You're not talking about like their boy detective club. You're talking about no, the just mall friends, a group. No, it's just a group of friends that always ends up solving all the mysteries together. So Tony... <laughs> They're not really... Is Tony in the other... Is Tony like a, a, a main character in the Hardyverse? In like the originals? I don't know any of them. Yeah, I think he's in the originals. Chet's definitely in the originals. Okay. Tony, I think, is as well. So these are the like they actually end up helping them solve mysteries. Chet and they're Tony, usually the like pizza a, man. It's like whenever they whenever the plot needs extra people. Danielle, usually, or they're like on vacation. Or do something. me a favor. Map the Hardy characters onto the Archie characters, so I know who's who. Mm, no, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's like. I don't think you could compare them that way. Frank well. and Joe are Archie. They're the main characters, right? And then you have like oh, They're Moose just both Archie. Or, and Jughead are like, they're, uh, is Chet, like Jughead the friend. No. I'm trying here, Daniel. These are two things I don't <laughs> You haven't heard of these franchises. They're, really different. I they're really different characters, Sam. <laughs> I'm talking about archetypes, Danielle, not characters. I know, but they aren't like, they aren't similar archetypes. All right. Well, whatever. <laughs> okay. Fine. Well, anything, I tried, Tony- I, tried to, I tried to put it in terms <laughs> For you. I appreciate that, but I already know who the, all the characters are, so it's really just you that's having a hard time. Do you want to pick another franchise that you're more familiar with and Star I can try Wars. and match them up? <laughs> that doesn't help. <laughs> uh, Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I'll think, I'll think on it. Hyperion. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I'd like to see which one's the strike. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tony, you might remember. Tony's the strike. Got Mr. it. Mr. Pizza. <laughs> Tony's the strike. Uh, manager, Mr. Pizza. Chet is Iola's brother, the one who. Died in the explosion. So Chet's all like, I'm totally cool with the revenge spree. Yeah. Well, they were like super awkward when they meet. He's like, I'm so sorry that your girlfriend probably got killed because of me. You, you mean your sister? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Your Ooh, sister got killed because of me. That was a different book, Daniel. <laughs> That's flowers in the attic or something. <laughs> so here's the plan. During Mr. Pizza's rush hour, they get Tony to let them <laughs> into the back Mr. of the restaurant. <laughs> During Mr. <laughs> Pizza's rush hour place. is when we're going to get the terrorists. The Mr. Pizza plan. That's those linchpin of terrorist catching. Okay. You know what? Pizza places do not have cute names. Like, they're just, they, they're pizza places. So they get Tony to let them into the back of the restaurant and they hide out in a storeroom. And after the night shift ends, uh, closing shift, Tony doubles back after to meet up with them and let them free. So he basically, like, 
hides them so they can go run around the mall after dark. Absolutely. But the best part, Sam, there are guard dogs. What? <laughs> there are guard dogs. Just running around the mall, random guard dog like yes. Wolfenstein. Like the they video literally game? just like let them out and they just wander. <laughs> That's not how guard dogs work. <laughs> B in a mall full of food. Like there's a food court in that mall. Those dogs are going one place and one place only, straight to those trash bins. <laughs> Yeah, there's guard dogs, so they brought dart guns. <laughs> Tran- the, the Cardis brought tranquilizer dart guns for the dogs. Yeah, they knew about the dogs. <laughs> also, tranquilizer darts are like, you have to be specifically weighted, otherwise you're going to kill the animal. That's the day. Like, no, nope, one size fits all. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm gosh. so mad about these dogs and dart guns. Why are the dart guns coming back? Dart guns were not cool the first time. Don't bring back no, the dart because, guns. Because I think it's Frank who's like, I got the idea from the bad guys. <laughs> Which again, why did they have the idea? It was a dumb idea. It's a great idea. <laughs> I'm so mad about the mall guard dogs, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy. So the first app, obviously, they're searching the mall. They're trying to find the dogs because obviously those are the biggest risk right now. The dogs, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're looking for the dogs. But to their surprise, when they finally come across one, it's already fast asleep. It's drugged with a dart. Would none of the other human guards notice those sleeping dogs? Apparently not yet. Because if I was a terrorist hiding out in a mall and I was a guard guarding that mall, I kept on finding out my dogs were taking naps all the time. Might be suspicious. I don't know. Maybe there's one guard and a bunch of guard dogs, Sam. I don't know. Dang cheap malls and their cheap (laughs) guard policies. So they know someone else is in the mall. So they turn off their flashlights and they're searching the rest of the area when they hear one of... Oh my gosh. Danielle, you you asked me to do this. I'm going to do this. Like, interrupt sentences. <laughs> Sorry, but it's happening. I want to imagine there's no guards at all in this mall, and it's just dogs. Just our dogs. Maybe. <laughs> and I, the question is, how are they going to call it? Like, if there's, like, a robber, like, are they going like, to, like, rope to, like, a phone and, like, dial with their nose <laughs> and be like, bark, bark. It's, you know, robbers. Bark, bark. What <laughs> is know, it, boy? Barking. What is it? Did little Timmy fall on the well? Is there a robber in Dispenser's Gifts? Maybe the barking triggers something on a collar. <laughs> okay. Uh, hilarious. I just want this to be a mall and full. I, I would imagine like they just let the guard dogs out and they like, they leave and there's no one in the mall but dogs. Okay. I'm pretty sure there's not. A, I, they don't come across a single guard for the rest of the story. Excellent. So. That is the truth. <laughs> so they hear one of the grills opening, you know, the ones that cover the front of the store. And it's in front of Builder's Paradise. And someone is exiting with bags of things over their shoulders and wire also over one shoulder. Okay. I guess they're getting plastic explosives from Builder's Paradise. I mean, if you want to get plastic <laughs> explosives, Build-A-Bear is where you want to go. <laughs> yes, of course. Maybe, was Build-A-Bear around in 87? Who cares? <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> Why did I make my joke fall flat, Danielle? <laughs> So, for reasons uh, I don't understand, Joe yells, Al Rusasa! As loud as humanly possible and aims his dart gun, hoping that startling him will get him a clean shot. (laughs) What? As opposed to maybe taking a clean shot on a person who doesn't know you're there? I don't know. It's so funny. This guy's a moron. Like, I know the Hardy Boys are supposed to be like, you know, these boy detectives, but like, they're legitimately idiots in this book. Like, I, I know that we make fun of convoluted plans, but everything they've done is a decision that no human being with an ounce <laughs> of sense would make. Well, Joe's in a bad place right now. I don't care. It's still stupid. <laughs> so he shoots his dart gun, but he only manages to hit the wire, and the man drops some of the bags, turns around, and begins to run, dodging behind a planter and pulling out his own dart gun. Also, okay, man, she- okay, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, Danielle, but first off, would a dog-sized tranquilizer dart have any effect on a human? Who knows? Apparently. <laughs> Two, dueling dart guns in the mole? <laughs> Why do these terrorists have dart guns? <laughs> 
Because it's safer than guns. They're terrorists. Why go with safety? <laughs> Maybe they're just not wanting like to murder all the people. They're ter- Danielle, they planted a car bomb in a crowd. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, the terrorists are worried about killing people. They're eating dark guns, which are somehow safer than bullets. Well, yeah, because they don't kill anybody when they hit you. Well, they're, they're poisoned, though, because you saw they killed the guard in the mall the earlier part. I don't think he died. Oh, did he? I don't know. You told me he died. I asked oh, you if they were poisoned or tranquilizer guns, and you said they were poisoned. Okay, well, I, I mean, it could be tranquilizers. <laughs> I think you asked if it was a real gun or a train gun. I said it was a train gun. It could just be maybe they used some kind of, like, dipped in frog goo trank. I don't know, Sam. Yeah, some poison dart frogs. Anyway, <laughs> I'm so angry about these dart guns, Danielle. I, I think, like, if this was a movie, it would be like, the, like they'd try to do a PG, thir- like a PG rating kind of thing where they don't want actually real sure. violence. But for a book, nonsense. <laughs> So the man shoots at them and he hits Chet, who drops to the ground. Dead. Don't worry, he's alive. <laughs> no, Chet doesn't die. They can't kill Chet after they just killed Iola. That'd be funny. Also, they're terrorists. <laughs> they should kill anyone they want to. I mean, again, I'm not uh, saying gay terrorism. I'm saying they don't have any morals for murder is the point. Agreed. So he gets away, obviously, as all this is happening. And they look at the bags he dropped, which are full of plastic explosive. This, this random hardware store in the mall he's carrying. Okay, well, I'm assuming he probably had them with him, and then he was probably getting other stuff from the from the store to finish up his plans. Okay, just just to be clear, because I did look it up to be sure, plastic explosives <laughs> require a special detonator to explode. You need another explosive to they, they don't just explode if you like shock them with a taser or something. Yes, we know. We'll get there. Okay, good. <laughs> so in the distance, they hear another grill opening, and they run towards it, and Joe manages to dive towards it and get his flashlight under it just before it can lock back into place. This time it's to a department store. So they went from hardware store to department store. They're mannequins. They're building the plastic explosive out of mannequins because they're made of plastic. No, I think they're the department store because it has a lot of like exits to the street, and who knows? I like my idea so, better. They manage to get into the department store and they chase after who we assume is Al Rosasa. Darts firing back and forth. Okay, and they wait, follow wait, wait, him wait, wait, to wait. the store. Uh, yes. <laughs> I should have brought that up earlier, but this is Al Rosasa, the leader of this terror organization in Bayport to do the murder of Walker, a man who is not yet president of the United States and may never be. Yes, theoretically. <laughs> Why? Why is the head honcho here instead of like at his headquarters in this secret base somewhere, you know, masterminding the stuff? I I mean, I imagine from that first part of the book, you might recall that he was planning a, um, I mean, I don't think he's in charge in charge, but he's planning to do a bunch of like terrorism acts across the United States. Sure. By himself? On his own? I mean, I think he had, like, a couple... Like, I think he was waiting for the people on the plane, like, and now uh, London's shut down, so, like, none of the other assassins can get out. Like, I think some of his plans (laughs) might arrive. a one-man terrorism crew. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. It's very unclear in the book. But that was was what he was supposed to be doing, but at some point he got orders to kill this guy, and it's kind of, like, interrupted what he was doing previously. That's kind of what's suggested in the book, or at least what I was reading into it. It's all very stupid, but go on. It is. I'm not disagreeing. So they follow him through the store and are surprised when he heads for a service stairs and a door to the sub-basement as if he knows where it is. And they deduce that it must be his hideout, because otherwise, why would he know about it? Sure. Also, another thought about why Bayport sucks. Yes. Why is there planning <laughs> to blow up this Walker guy? Are they doing it here instead of at any one of his other million, uh, presumably, stops that he has on his campaign tour? Because if they didn't do it in Bayport, the Hardy Boys wouldn't be involved. <laughs> Danielle, that's a book answer. I want the terrorist answer. <laughs> I don't know. 
this just must have been the, the place. Uh, again, terrorism is about shock and like attention. So you want to do it in like the biggest place to get the most attention and do the most damage. Well, maybe, Sam, I don't know. I know, I'm pretty sure Bayport's near New York City. So maybe it's just so like Bayport a big is the, a venue. Like, biggest city and like, the most important. Like, oh, Bayport, the heart of America, where everyone knows <laughs> about know. it. All the movies are set there. And it's the most important place in the country. I mean, I know. Where I lived when I was a kid was not a major city, and we occasionally had, like, some pretty important political figures come through and do rallies Yeah, and I'm not saying they wouldn't do a rally there. I'm saying if you're going to pick the one place to do your terrorism, why- Maybe it's because it's so low-key. It's a lot easier to infiltrate and, like, get bombs into a mall than it would be at, like, Mall of America or something. Uh, untrue, because, like, small towns <laughs> where everyone knows each other, like, it's easier to blend into a larger city. Sure, but maybe there's way less security. I don't know. I mean, either way, or maybe arguments. it's somebody that's already in town that people know, so they feel like they like. Well, I'm just easier. saying, arguments can be made either way, and I doubt the book provides an explanation. No, it does not. Okay, then. so <laughs> <laughs> they follow. I was like, they can't see him, but they know he went back down to the sub basement. So they're trying to explore it, trying to find him. They finally come across an abandoned storeroom that has a light on, and it's filled with plastic explosives, electronic equipment, ammunition, and an Uzi submachine gun. That's they somehow so they snuck it. all this into Bayport, un, like into the mall. Into the mall, and I was like, "Well, look at all those <laughs> barrels of weapons. I'm fine by me. The dogs don't seem to mind." I mean, obviously, he's been knocking out the dogs every night, and nobody seems to have noticed for reasons. Because <laughs> there are no humans in this mall. It's a permanent security system. It's only dogs, no people. Save a lot of money, but oh no, exactly. the dogs get knocked out. No one thought about that. So Joe's upset because they seem to have lost him. But Frank is like, "Well, now we have a lot of evidence, so this is perfect. Like we can." Not, I, though, really, if you were already at risk for somebody thinking that you were the person who murdered Iola, and then you're like, hey, we just happened to find this room full of plastic explosives, like, I'm not sure they'd believe you. Sure. <laughs> I mean, their whole plan is done to begin with, but why stop there? I don't know. So Frank is like, oh, we've got evidence, so this is great. And they are interrupted by a voice at the doorway congratulating them on their hard work, and it's Butler, Samuel Butler. Let me guess, Butler is the inside person. We'll find out. Joe asks him if he's had second thoughts, like he actually decided to do his job and search them all. <laughs> Joe. Joe's sassy. And Butler is like, not exactly, and steps into the light of the room, and he's holding an Uzi. Oh, no. And he says, you, you, <laughs> he says, you came looking for Al Rusasa. Well, now he has found you. So, Butler, Samuel Butler, is Al Rusasa. Absolutely. Is he ever the described bullet. once? I'm, I'm presuming, because this is a fairly recent book from the 1980s, that this is supposed to be a, a Middle Eastern terrorist organization. You know what? Uh, in my memory of reading this, to be fair, I probably skimmed some of it because it's an easy read. I don't remember a specific description of it. I think he had darker hair, but they didn't like, I don't think they said anything specific. He spoke, I know they mentioned at one point that he spoke English in like a clipped, very like structured way okay. that nobody thought was like a particular accent. They didn't sound like an accent from anywhere. All right. So this really is an indictment of the police hiring process if they didn't bother to do a background <laughs> check on a very well-known terrorist. That's explained later, actually, surprisingly. Oh, okay. Well, I guess airtight book. I retract all complaints. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There you know. <laughs> They end up rehashing all the events because monologuing. So, yes, Butler is responsible for everything, and they've put a lot of crimps in his plan by running all over the place. And he was the one that followed them down the road, and he knew about Lover's Lane because he's been a cop there for a little while. Also, Samuel Butler is real, or was, but he liquidated him, quote-unquote. So he put him in a blender. <laughs> 
Uh-huh. And took over his life. This is the quote. He said, that was easy. The hard part was finding a policeman with the right record, the right build, the right looks, and he was starting a new job. That's all very coincidental. <laughs> and also he got plastic surgery, so he would look more like This him. is so complicated a plan for killing a presidential candidate who is largely irrelevant. <laughs> I know. It's amazing to me. So, as I said, Butler's monologuing. <laughs> Of course he is. And Just he shoot says him. All, was go- <laughs> all was going fine until he was ordered to kill Philip Walker. And then their father interfered and he because he was gathering information on the assassins. And when he was told to punish, quote unquote, Fenton Hardy, he decided to be nice just to kill off his kids. But stupid Iola died instead. Uh, he's a terrible terrorist, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Like, First off, this plan is so involved to kill a person who does not matter and is not a direct threat to them. And B, when he was told to correct the problem, he failed spectacularly. <laughs> He's a terrible assassin. <laughs> uh, what happens? So, as he's, like, talk- <laughs> as he's talking about Iola dying and how he got she got in the way, it was supposed to be them, Joe rushes him, but Butler gets on, uh, one up on him and takes him down, and he ends up binding their arms and legs and leaves them in the room. Shoot as he them! Goes about his- Shoot what? them! Shoot her! <laughs> so you he's, want them dead he's- anyway! Just shoot them! <laughs> okay, he hasn't done that. He's leaving them binding Why? while he finishes up his... His construction of his blow-up device. Is that what they call it, the blow-up device? <laughs> I know. The explodey sure thingamajiggy. <laughs> the little, little gadget stuff. boom boom. <laughs> so he explains that the pillar in the center of the room is a support pillar that happens to be below the spot where the podium for Walker will be. So that's where he's putting all his... Um, because <laughs> you explode one pillar, sure, the four collapses, maybe. That doesn't guarantee he's dead. Well, that's how they're going to blow him up, Sam. There's <laughs> even a lot to the whims of collapsing buildings if it collapses. And he bemoans the fact that instead of his extra bombs that he was planning to set around the mall, it's assumedly for funsies, I think, for chaotic version, he now has to spend that time cleaning up the stupid department store because everybody will know something's awry if they look and see all the stuff from the, the fight. How long does he get the department store? Also, kill the Hardys! No, he locks them in there instead of killing them for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> See, my my thought is, like, when you have, you know, boy detectives or whatever, the whole point is supposed to be very clever. And they're supposed to succeed on the merits of their wit and insight. You know, like, Sherlock Holmes is fun because he sees things others don't and makes connections and uses his brains to solve problems. Mm-hmm. The Hardy Boys here solve no problems, and it's merely the incompetence of their adversaries that lets them succeed. Sometimes. Depends on the, on the story. <laughs> well, in the only story I'm familiar with so far... <laughs> Well, we'll give you a nice run through, Sam. Okay. <laughs> he also, in case you were worried about Chet, nope. which you have not asked about, I don't care. He puts Chet in there, who's just starting to wake up from his dark well, dose. Kill Chet too. You don't even dart. The, I'm just dart them all. Then dart them all again. <laughs> I agree. They should have just darted him, and then and then killed him. We got a Uzi. <laughs> Uzify them. <laughs> Callie, the only smart one in the group, is the one who kept her hands pried as far apart as possible when the guy was trying to tie them up. I forgot so she, she was there little, entirely. I know. So she has a little bit of give in her, her uh, bands. So after much ado and crying and support from everybody, she manages to finally slip free of her bonds. Why is she crying? Because it hurts, Sam, and oh, it's hard to get out. Okay, well, I'm sorry. I- she's a girl, okay? Jeez. That's more I'm getting at, Danielle. <laughs> Joe is super offended that a girl is smarter than they are. Callie tells him to shut up. <laughs> to be fair, they're on a pretty low end of the bell curve, in my opinion. <laughs> Callie's like, a well, good thing I came with you then, huh? 
She frees everybody, but to their dismay, the door is locked, and it's a very strong door. They can't get out. Oh, no. Why not just take the detonator out of the plastic explosive, and you're fine? Hey, they're going to blow up the door, Sam. That's what they decide to do. That's not the safe answer. <laughs> That's not the safe answer. You're in a tiny room, barrels of plastic explosive, and you're going to blow up a door. No. Just take the detonator off. I don't off. think it's super tiny, to be fair. I think it's a medium-sized room. Whatever. The point is just take the detonators out. The things won't explode at all. Al Rusasa will come back saying, what's going on? You jump them and, or whatever. Like, crazy. Okay. But first, they form a human pyramid to reach the top of the pile where the detonator is with the alarm. Okay, and I have no response to that, Danielle. <laughs> Human Pyramid, sure, they're all doing their cheer routine. Fine. Go team! Frank gets to the top because Go he's a smart one. Go Arties! Woo-woo! Give me an the H! <laughs> Give me an Artie! That's all I got. I don't know cheers. Artie Hardy! <laughs> We're the Hardies, yes we are. We can stop Al Rusasar! <laughs> oh, no. That was bad. That was bad. <laughs> So, again, Frank gets the top because he's a smart one, and he spends a very long time, pages, disconnecting circuits and, and getting- He spends uh, pages on him, like, pulling apart these detonators? Like a solid two pages of them, like, resting and then climbing back up and resting and climbing back up. And he gets down to the last three buried detonators. As Frank is working on the last detonator, Chet finally gives way to the after effects of the dart and starts to pass out again, swaying the whole pyramid! Oh no, good thing the plus explosives are not particularly fragile, she could just knock the whole thing over be fine. Frank lurches at the top, accidentally pulling the last wire free, and the countdown begins on the timer. Oh no! Is that how detonators work? It's not detonators. Okay. Uh. It's a tamper alarm. It's a tamper alarm, he says. Okay, sure. Tamper. <sighs> fine. Yes. It's a movie. Whatever. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's like, it's like, like in movies and nothing makes sense. He's like, it's a tamper alarm and it's about to blow! And he grabs the timer and yells, or detonator, whatever. He yells for everybody to get down, hiding, and they all hide behind the pillar, and he rushes the detonator to the door, slaps it around the doorknob, and runs for it. And behind him, the door erupts! Yay. <laughs> Kaboomy. Wait, 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 I didn't hear and that. Then, no, he cut out. I, I got the, the noise cancellation missed. What'd you say? Okay, so it was steam that the detonator let off. It was a bunch of steam. I did boom too. Okay. Everybody's okay. <laughs> the door is blown open and they rush upstairs to a packed mall where the rally is started above them. So. I don't know how long they were in this. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, they're a long in the time, middle apparently. of the night, like at least 12 hours or something. <laughs> Did no one hear the explosion in the whole mall? Apparently not. He had pulled a bunch of the... I mean, it was only one of the detonators or something. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize plastic explosives got quiet. (laughs) That had a silent setting for the plastic explosives. (laughs) They they make it out. It's really... It's a sub-basement. It's very low in the ground. So one pillar in the sub-basement is somehow going to make the whole building collapse all the way up to the top floor. Well, apparently the pillar was right below wherever the podium was. I don't know how far below there, but apparently blowing the door had no effect Far enough below that they didn't hear the explosive, but not... Well, it's really loud mall. There's a band, there's like oh, I people with the band that they brought back for the second time. The dress rehearsal wasn't enough. <laughs> yes. Well, why would they be there for dress rehearsal if they weren't there for the actual main event, Sam? Oh, you got me there, Danielle. <laughs> I forgot what the purpose of a dress rehearsal. So they make their way through the crowds trying to find some you know, security and finally find the police escort for Walker, accompanied by their dad and Samuel Butler. And Joe's like, stop that man! Which I'm sure would totally work Stop in real that life. butler! He's buttled his last buttle. He's Butler's last Butler. And Butler is shocked to see them, and he turns toward Walker, but finds Fenton Hardy standing in the way, and I assume that's literally the only person who might believe his son's running out and be like, stop yeah, no. that man! Yeah, literally, anyone else would be like, 
what? What are you talking about? You dirty children. That's all the cops do. They're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, they don't do anything. Yeah, yeah. reasonable. <laughs> so Joe runs forward, almost reaching Butler, but Butler dives through the police escort into the crowd, and the cops tackle the Hardy boys. <laughs> they deserve that. Yeah, no kidding. They deserve a lot <laughs> more than that, frankly. <laughs> they yell at, the, at their dad, like, watch out for Butler. He's in, one of the assassins. And Fenton asks questions. Like, how do you know about the assassins? Where did you learn about no, them? Why are you ask still in Bayport? Later. <laughs> There's no future. This is how this is where the kids get it. They're morons all the way up the family tree. Well, there you I, That's I, what I wrote my notes was, which seems not important in this moment, these questions. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Go get the guy who's running away. Obviously, he did something wrong or he wouldn't be running away. They explained that they started to investigate Ayala's murder and who Butler is, and that there's a they ton spend of plastic 20 minutes explosives doing this and he gets away under and- the podium. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Fenton's like the bullet and calls orders out to security detail to go. I wanted him. to be called something like L Bullet. <laughs> L Bullet. <laughs> then they uh, take Walker down to the sub basement for reasons to show him the plastic hey, explosives. Hey, 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 Mr. Walker, <laughs> let's bring you to these dangerous, potentially explosive things to show you how good we are. They're like a cat that shows you the fresh kill. Like, look, aren't you proud of me? It's wild. And they try to convince him that he has to cancel his rally because, you know, there's bomb. an assassin there's a large. bomb. Can't, don't cancel the rally. Evacuate them all. There's a bomb. Right. But, uh, the, I mean, the bomb's already been technically dismantled because they mean, blew it the up. I mean, the detonation move, but there's still plastic explosive and maybe more bombs. We don't know if the bullet wasn't a moron. He wouldn't put all his bombs in one basket. Well, he, I mean, he does say earlier, I was going to put more in the mall, but And then maybe he did. Maybe he got cleaned up plans. quickly and they put more around. <laughs> nope, they never talked about that. All right, fine. Doesn't matter, though, because Walker's like, I can't do that. That's political suicide. I've got to make this speech now. Like, I'm anti-terrorism. Oh, sorry, political suicide to protect your citizenry, your constituents, by getting them away from the bomb? The unexploded or even, bomb? Or even an assassin who may or may not hit you and could hit innocent bystanders, yes. Oh, these people are all idiots. That's how politics work. I mean, I know politics <laughs> in America are broken, but that's the dumbest thing I've heard in my life. <laughs> so they do move forward with the event, tightening security. And Fenton's upset about the fact. He's like, basically, like, oh, it's a shame that we don't have, that he's not an official candidate yet, or we would have Secret Service to help. And he's not Frank's even an official like, candidate yet, and they're targeting him? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't this know person <laughs> is a relative. That's like me saying, I'm going to make a speech in the mall about anti-terrorism. And then like Al-Qaeda going like, we have to kill Sam. He's the most important person in the world right now. <laughs> Well, uh, good thing for Frank and Joe. He's like, well, Dad, you've got us. Which doesn't Oh, that's seem even helpful. worse. <laughs> then we're in real trouble. I'm sure Fenton's like, great, sons, go look for him. <laughs> You're already kidnapped once and only Callie meant to save your dumb butts. <laughs> so all the kids, uh, you know, young adults, form their own team and go out to keep an eye, eye out for him. And the speech goes on and they're monitoring the area from above. And I think Joe's like in a catwalk area. It's a little unclear or maybe I just kind of skimmed through it. I'll ask you a very but, important question, Danielle, about Joe on the catwalk. Yes. Does he do a little turn on the catwalk? On the catwalk? Yes. Yeah, on the catwalk? He, he's very sexy. Does a little turn on the catwalk. <laughs> Good. All right. Yeah. I'm making sure. <laughs> So yes, he does a little turn on the catwalk, and he sees a man <laughs> coming out of the bargain stores, clearly wearing their purchase, which is a pair of loud plaid pants, a polyester zipper jacket, and a baseball cap. Oh, this is a zebra. That's what you wear when you're trying to Be blend conspicuous, in. Yeah. This is the, this is a zebra, Daniel. You're right, zebra and a baseball cap. I laughed so hard when I read that. I was like, a pair of loud plaid pants. I know this is 87, but well, come on. You should buy pants that don't make too much noise so you won't be like spotted. Like if someone were going through a mall and their pants are going, woo, woo, woo. Uh, yeah, like, oh, funny, that's the person. funny, funny. 
So the man stops by a trash can and stuffs a large bag inside. And from his vantage point, maybe, that'd be funny. From, <laughs> from his vantage point, Joe is able to see a mini Uzi tucked inside the jacket. A mini as he puts Uzi his hand submachine inside. gun to a sub submachine gun. Yes. As. Uh, where was I? Sorry. Oh, I as the no, it's okay. As he heads towards Walker, so he's like making his way towards Walker. He's clearly going to assassinate him with Mini Uzi. Mini Uzi, the weapon of yeah. choice among and assassins. Apparently, nobody thought to give any of these kids walkie talkies. So he was like, "Caw, caw, 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 That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Joe, <laughs> Joe was like, well, I could yell, but it might start a panic. And then like, it's not, I may not help anything. He might suddenly just take a shot because he's afraid he's going to get caught. Like, what should I do? So he ends up, uh, do you have your tranquilizer dark gun? What about that thing? <laughs> I didn't know. Oh, they probably got disarmed when he took him down. Well, all right. So he ends up tearing free an electrical cable from the wall. Okay. And, and not shocking himself. <laughs> and he Tarzans down to Butler, who's just like up the floor above Walker. Where he's got an aerial view. Both of them have aerial views. And so he Tarzans down to Walker. And no. Butler notices some only moments before Joe hits him squarely in the chest, sending the gun clattering to the floor towards the edge of the, the overview. Is this just like when they like swing on chandeliers in movies and it always is the perfect length or whatever? Yeah, it's wild. So they grapple along the floor, security rushing towards them as Butler goes for his gun again, and Joe manages to kick it out of the way, but Butler hurls him against a concrete bench, pulling out a knife and going for him. Stab Joe him. Tries to Stab him good! Joe tries to grab the knife but misses, and the blade plunges into his hand, into Joe's hand. And Joe kicks out, hitting Butler in the knees. So, hand stab. Not the most fatal of injuries. No, but not comfortable no, either. No, no, no. Hands are a delicate thing. That's terrible. <laughs> He'll never play so the piano he- again. <laughs> no, he won't. Because Joe hits Butler in the knees, a terror misses for his throat as he's, like, plunging down as he tries to um, kill him. And a policeman finally makes it to them, and Butler stabs him. And races for his gun, giving Joe a chance to lurch to his knees and punch him in the face just as he grabs hold of punch it. Punch him with his knife hand. Uh, he doesn't, Joe doesn't have a knife. Oh, so he stabs the hand, but he pulls the knife out of his hand. Yes, he takes the knife. Oh, uh, I thought him, he was going to punch him with like his impaled knife hand. No, that'd be great, but no. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've just made me a more powerful weapon. <laughs> Big mistake, Alusasa. I don't know where the the knife is at this point. It was. It's I, in the I, cop, probably. probably could have, I could have read it more clearly, but I didn't. So the gun bangs into the safety rail behind them, and he loses his grip. The gun falling into space, and Butler makes a grab for the weapon, arms flailing as he topples over the safety rail. Oh no, he's dead. Oh no, he's not dead because he decides to move Fossa it. And he's grabbing hold of the end of the, the bar that's like along the floor line. And so, of course, and Joe is like, scar. It goes, long live the king. He throws him off. Yes. Of course, yeah. He says, you killed Iola, you scum. You don't deserve to live. That's his and comeback. Raised- <laughs> yeah, apparently. Oh, I, I, I want, here's how I imagine he says it. You killed Iola, you scum. You don't deserve to live. And throws him off. Yes. So he raises his foot. He's ready to bring it down on his hands, gripping the ledge, and he stops himself at the last moment, telling him he won't do it because then he'd be no better than him. Okay, but all those guys you, like, presumably shot at earlier were fine. Yeah. But the bad guy is like, you're a fool. I would never show you mercy. Uh, wait, what? He just the did. Bad guy says, he, no, he, yeah. the bad guy says it to Yeah, yeah he did. He, he had them dead to right, and he decided to tie them up and leave them near the bomb, and then stop shooting them. Oh, he really thought they were going to die, though. No, like, oh, that's, time that's, for this that's, no, no. I'm, you showed them plenty of mercy, you dingus. <laughs> I don't think he meant to show them mercy. Because, because of plot, Joe decides to help him up. So he reaches over no! and like, like no! hey, I know. <laughs> 
reality, the guy is like yeah, hanging on to the ledge. Take my bloody but... knife hand. <laughs> and to the surprise of no one, he tears loose from Joe's grasp and squeezes Joe's injured hand as he's like trying to pull him up. And Joe flinches, losing traction above. And Butler uses Joe's instability to his advantage, swinging his weight to pull them both over the edge. I mean, again, oh, it's kind of a pyrrhic no. victory because his target was Walker, so he accomplishes nothing. No, but he's going to take somebody along with him. I guess. <laughs> the guy who ruined it for him. Meddling kids. <laughs> None of the spectators help, which I feel like is very true to life. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> but Frank, who has finally made it towards them, oh, rushes yeah, forward just... Yeah, I know, right? That's actually how I felt when I was reading the book. I was like, oh, Frank was there? <laughs> so Frank finally makes it to him, and he rushes forward just in time to grab Joe's belt on his pants as he goes over. But Joe's blood-slicked hand can't hold on to Butler, who slips from his grasp and falls to his death. Oh, somehow trying not to cry for Butler. Oh. So sad. Joe, very shaken and pale, says, we should have remembered. Nobody takes an assassin alive. Joe, very shaken and stirred. <laughs> And Frank feels the need to say he lived by blood and he died by it. <laughs> These are the dumbest, like, action guy quips. I've, this is like Simpsons McBain level, like, cheesy quips. Oh, so good. <laughs> also, they have no context for this. Like, we have to remember, no one ever takes an assassin alive. Uh, this is your first How encounter you know with an assassin. Yeah, exactly. No, it's the same thing. I was like, what? We've, we've tried <laughs> to capture know, assassins. We've tried to capture assassins before. They've always killed. Like, <laughs> yeah, the two on the plane, maybe like one had a, a false two cyanide pill or whatever, but like you've literally had like three of them you've met in your life. Yeah, wild. Crazy. And so immediately after this conversation, Frank asks his brother how he feels about Iola's murder or getting what he deserved, which seems a really hardcore question uh, after Joe just accidentally let go of some guy and let him die. Are they both like <laughs> sociopaths? You have no empathy. <laughs> And Joe was like, it wasn't enough. And he turns away. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, sure. I mean, so, yeah, I, I agree. It probably wasn't. That's how justice works, but sure. Yeah. Well, I think he means like it didn't feel as good as I thought it would probably. Revenge never does. Say. If you ever watched a movie, he would know this. Revenge never heals the wound. Yeah. Well, later that week, assumedly, time has no meaning in this book. Joe is in a sling and bandage and they're relaxing in the office and the mall wants to give them or is going to give them a reward for heroic deeds or something. That's not how malls work or rewards. <laughs> hey, you guys did something. Here's like 50 bucks in, you know, Cinnabon coupons or whatever. No, it, sound, it sounds like they're going to get quite a lot of money because they talk about later how they're, what they're going to buy with it. So well, That's there's insane. This, that. <laughs> so they have managed to, in the interim, have managed to convince their dad about their escape from federal custody. Custody. <laughs> Delicious. Escape, oh my gosh. Their escape from federal custody without mentioning the network the British intelligence or their trip to London. How? I would How? I don't know, but I would kill for that summary because what did they say? Well, there's no reason the book omitted it because they would have no way that ever actually happened. Yeah, they're like, hmm. We probably were going to write it in and then we're like, wait a second. There's no way I can make this sound plausible. And the phone rings and when they pick it up, to their surprise, it's Mr. Gray. Mr. Gray is Mr. Gray. Yeah. Yeah, he's alive. He's congratulating them on finishing um, his... We'll be in touch with the future, boys. You're now assets of the network. Uh, yeah, give or take, actually, because yeah. Joe offers to help like for future services. If you need anything, let us know. Which, for some reason, Mr. Gray's like, yeah, that sounds you legit. I'll totally do that. Clearly are super competent <laughs> and not at all like dumb luck your way through that and didn't screw up our, our whole thing by not calling <laughs> us. So, yeah, we'll definitely bring you back on. And Frank, as I hang up, Frank's like telling Joe that he's surprised that he would want to do more work for the organization. And Joe is like, well, you know, I realize that as long as there are assassins, capital A, out there, 
There will always be more Al-Rusasas. It's not only continuing justice for Iola, but for everyone. That's not quite what he says, but it's just just As long as there's evil, I must be out there protecting the world from evil. To be fair, there aren't just assassins. There are lots of terrible organizations. Right. And what he continues to say is he doesn't want to give up their usual cases, but there's bigger stuff going on in the world. Their usual cases. We must capture the spray paint (laughs) vandal. Exactly. <laughs> it's very important that we capture the, the guy who was, uh, I don't know, I never, you, you gave me a bunch of their <laughs> cases, did. and I remember none of them. So, cool. Well, just pretend like I said a bunch of those cases you mentioned, and we'll move on. <laughs> the haunted house with the dry, with the smuggling case that was going on? Right, there was one the, that I, Oh, the sabotage of the road building project yeah, in okay, the Kentucky Wilderness? Yes, yes, right, right. <laughs> Justice is a pothole. That's right. That's my great title for that, that book. <laughs> And anyway, there's bigger stuff going on. They could make a big difference in the world. And he asked Frank if he's in on it and someone, because someone has to be the brains of the outfit. Clearly and not they, Joe. <laughs> and Frank's like, yeah, I'd never, you know, give up on you. Of course, let's do it. And okay. they're like, yeah, go team. And they're off to save the day. Also, if Frank is the brains of their outfit, they're in deep trouble. Callie should be the brains of the outfit because she clearly is. <laughs> do not disagree. So Sam, yes. I have a special treat for you. Uh-oh. I'm going to give you a little summary of the next case. I'm not saying I'm doing this one. I just feel like you need to read right. what the next case I got, is. I got to see the end of each end book. Up, they, go to the ne- they have like a next time in the Hardy Boys. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> Frank and Joe's next case. Is it a case? Mm, all right. Yeah, it's always a case. Yeah. yeah, but like this wasn't a case. This wasn't a mystery. This like, whatever. Mystery of the Assassins. I read the first clause of the sentence and I'm already mad. <laughs> so good. Disguised as punk rockers. <laughs> <laughs> I've read this one too. <laughs> I don't even, I don't even read that. That's the dumbest thing I've heard in my life. I love it. Uh, disguised as punk rockers, Frank and Joe infiltrate a gang of gun runners, punk gun runners apparently. <laughs> don't you want to know how it goes from punk rockers to gun runners? Because <laughs> they're punk rock gun runners. It's like Fast and Furious or something. I don't know. <laughs> But the mission goes disastrously wrong, yes, because they're involved. <laughs> Stranding the Hardys in Paris with no money, no passports, and a charge of murder hanging over their heads. Probably dun, deserved. Dun, dun. <laughs> the only way out is working for Reynard and Company, a cold-blooded corporation that treats murder and terrorism like a big business. Can the Hardys stop these corporate killers, or will the killers stop the Hardy? Just the Hardys. Hardy. Just the Hardy. Nope. <laughs> It says Hardy. I'm the one who typed it. I'm sorry. Okay, the Hardys permanently. <laughs> Find out in Evil Inc. Case number two in the Hardy Boys case files. I copied it from the back of the book. <laughs> okay, I thought that was like a copy paste in the, uh, the typo in the original, so. Uh, oh, that sounds dumber than this one somehow. That's so good. Oh, you really intrigued me, Danielle. <laughs> Maybe we'll do Evil Inc. How could you not? With that title. Right. So, Sam, that was the Hardy Boys. You're welcome. I, Anytime. I, I, uh, <laughs> I feel that this book was a rough go for me because it was doing a lot of, like, the establishment of the world, of the new the new Hardy Boys world order, where they have to be, like, mm-hmm. terrorists and fighters instead of just, like, boy detectives. Of course. I just feel like uh, in order to move forward with no, any no. potential future Hardy Boys, we've got to get the basics No, I, I feel like now they're going to get wilder from here. Now they've got all the, yep. like, to dispense with any pretense of grounded in some kind of reality. Also, dark guns. <laughs> dark? Are there more dark guns? And if dark guns become dogs. a reoccurring trope in the Hardy Boys case files, I'll be super mad. I would be not surprised if there's at least one or two more dark guns. I think the author really loves Books. dark guns. He's like, oh, they're so cool. I got put them everything. Like skateboards and punk rockers. Like dark guns. Kids love those. <laughs> oh, gosh. Dark guns. And dogs. Dogs. In malls. <laughs> 
just wandering freely. Garden guard dogs and moths. Great. There's like a whole little bit in there about how like the the security guy lets them loose in such and such place on the first floor or whatever, and they just roam the, <laughs> the hallways of the mall. Listeners out there, you have to write in and tell me the name of the security company that is only guard dogs. <laughs> <laughs> the dogs only mall security company. Dogs. Yeah, just whatever. Like, is it is it called only dogs or canine guards? <laughs> But like I, I I can't think of a good name for a security organization that is only dogs. Like it's definitely K nine something uh, or, or something, something like bark or woof or something in there or like rough guards or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm too, I, I can't. You gotta do it for me. I'm, I'm my brain is fried after that episode. So <laughs> I'm counting everyone out there to help. That's our call in. Please, please send it. <laughs> if you want to tell me the name for your dog's only guard agency, you can do so at bookretorts.com. You can also tweet Instagram or Facebook us at bookretorts. And if you want to help us fund our startup, Guard's Only Dog Agency. <laughs> with whatever name you come up yeah, with. Yeah, <laughs> we'll use your name too. We'll give you full credit. You can do so at patreon.com slash bookretorts. Patreon! Woo! Well, until next time, definitely don't hire the Hardy Boys for your missing, you know, piggy bank case. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> They'll end up blowing up the mall. <laughs> That's a possibility with dark guns. Yeah, with dark guns. <laughs> well, until next time then, bye. Take care, everybody. Busy day, rush hour in the city. What a song. Summer in the city, rush hour's hot and the girls are pretty. No, All right. Yeah. Hot time, summer in the city. That's it. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, the Hardy Danielle's brain went on a little vacation there. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the outro. So what happens? <laughs>